Welcome back to another episode of the Rookie Curse Podcast, podcast for all things Philadelphia 76ers. My name's Andrew Quinlan. I appreciate any and all of you that are still listening. We are on our second season now with this podcast officially, uh, as the preseason is underway for most NBA teams. The Sixers play their first game tomorrow. Uh, it is Monday, December 14th, as I'm recording this. They play the Boston Celtics tomorrow. Um, one of the last teams to start their preseason. I've had a lot of fun watching preseason games, honestly, like the last few nights, even though it's weird uh, with no fans, unless you're the the Jazz and a few other teams, which is just ridiculous that they're having fans. Um, but it's been fun, and I'm excited for the Sixers tomorrow. It's, you know, I feel like I got kind of robbed in the bubble because, like, they played like 12 games, and most of them were pretty depressing. <laughs> Uh, especially once Ben got hurt. And then, you know, the last few games, it was like just picking random players to play, basically. Uh, the last few games in the regular season, the technical re- regular season. But I'm, I'm pumped, man. I haven't done a podcast since... Um, well, I haven't done one since Maury got hired, just because I've been really, really busy with school. I'm finally done with school. Um, and I wanted to kind of wait until the dust had kind of settled on the off season, which it pretty much has, other than, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the... The Rockets' uh, whole mess down there is still trying to get figured out, and we're we're involved in that, and I'll get to that later. But um, in 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 general, the the off season's pretty much everything's pretty much done. Obviously, there's extensions to to discuss and negotiate, and the honest thing. But uh, the the teams that are playing right now in preseason, those are the the rosters to start the year, and I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped, and I know I was pumped last year too, and I was I'm pumped every year just because I like the Sixers, and it's more fun to be pumped. But like. This roster makes so much more sense, even though it's, I don't think it's a complete roster yet. Uh, I think they're a move or two away from being like true contenders in the East. But just to, to try to maximize the two centerpieces of the team, and even Tobias, because Tobias is going to be here, whether we like it or not. Um, and and the, the moves that Daryl Moore made uh, from draft night on will definitely help those three guys. Um, so I'll get into that. I guess I'll just get into it now. So I'll go in order of the moves, kind of. Um, so on draft night, Daryl was, what, what, like two weeks on the job, pretty much. Um, and he made a move a few hours before the draft, and it was trading Al Horford. <clears throat> excuse me. Al Horford, uh, a 2025 protected first-round pick, uh, Vasily Michich, pretty sure I'm saying that right, and the 34th pick to the Thunder for Danny Green, uh, Vincent Poirier, Terrence Ferguson, uh, Terrence Ferguson, and I think maybe like a conditional second rounder, but uh, I'm not sure. It was weird reporting on that trade. Like Poirier, you know, it took like three weeks to find to finalize, and Poirier was only like widely known to be in the trade once he got finalized. Uh, even though he'll probably be cut, so it's not really that relevant. <clears throat> um, I really love it. I love the move. I thought that. Um, I didn't really know where would be a good place to trade Horford where we can get decent value back. Uh, because I think if we were just going to dump Horford, it would have cost probably two firsts if we were purely dumping him into someone's cap space, like a bad team, like the Pistons cap space, because why else would they do that? Why would they just take one, you know, pick in the twenties to take on a bad salary when they're trying to rebuild for three years. Uh, but getting Danny Green back, who is a solid player, uh, probably not worth 15 million a year, but you know, probably worth like, the mid-level at this point, maybe a little bit more. He's a, he's still a fine player. He's just streaky, and uh, he's getting up there, and he's expiring. Um, 
And to only give up a first-round pick and a pretty good, I mean, it was a really good second-round pick. It was the 34th pick this year, uh, which they use on Teo Maladon, who looks freaking great uh, so far in the preseason. But to, if that's all we needed to give up, like, that's pretty encouraging. Uh, and it also just goes to show that, like, there's no unmovable contract. John Wall got traded this year. Russell Westbrook got traded this year, obviously, for each other. Uh, Al Horford got traded. Like, teams can get teams can trade guys. Chris Paul got traded last year when everybody saw the three years and, like, $120 million left, and they were like, shit. Guys can get traded. They're still players. And at the end of the day, like, these teams are in a position where they can pay guys more than they're worth. Uh, as long as they get compensated properly. And, you know, Tobias' contract is still... We'll see if they can trade that one. I mean, that's a, that's a bigger monster than the Horford one. But still, it's just... It makes me comfortable... Uh, it makes me le- more optimistic that they can trade Tobias in, in the future if they have to. Maybe maybe after this season, maybe after two years. Maybe he just plays well and he'll never live up to the contract, but he's still a good player and a positive. And it's like, we don't need to trade him because we're a good team. Um, so we'll see on that, but just this trade, giving the Sixers the flexibility of having a a small forward shooting guard, you know, wing type that can shoot threes and defend, um, which they, they needed pretty bad. Uh, and he's an expiring 15 million. So like if Danny Green comes out the season looking super washed, which is like not out of the realm of possibility, he's like 34. Uh, he's played for a long time now, but if so, then they have a, a, fucking great contract to trade at the trade deadline and they can get a real contributor maybe even two contributors the way they kind of got you know they didn't contribute that much but like Burks and Glenn Robinson they can get two guys in a trade you know an eight million guy and a seven million guy or something like that or a ten million guy and a five million like they can they can get close or they can combine them with like Tony Bradley and Terrence Ferguson just to make salaries match and get like a 20 million dollar guy or even Mike Scott just Danny Green and Mike Scott gets you to $20 million, you know? Uh, so it just gives them so much more flexibility as an expiring contract, and they'll have his bird rights if they want to resign him. I'm pretty sure um, it's it's it was a great move. It really was. And I think it was fine for the Thunder, too. Like, they got a, a future pick, and Horford will be fine for them. Horford will help out Shea. I don't think they want to be, like, atrocious. So having Horford for them, um, especially once they traded Adams, like, a floor spacing big, that is still fine. Horford's still fine. I have no hate. For Al Horford himself, I hate that he was on the team, but I don't really, like, I'm not going to blame Horford for not, for being the player that he is, you know? Um, Obviously, I thought it would go better. I was very in on Horford once it got leaked that they might get him. Uh, I was actually super in, and I was wrong. Like, I'll admit it. Um, But he's still fine, man. And he's going to go, the most obvious thing in the world is that Horford is going to play well, and then he's going to go to a contender that needs him, and he'll play well for them, too, as a center. So, but the fact that they off Horford off relatively minimal costs, huge win. So, good job, Daryl, on that one. Uh, the next move, I think, the next move was just the draft pick of Tyrese Maxey. And I was big on Maxey. Uh, if you listen to my last podcast, I had him eighth on my board right after another sixer, uh, Isaiah Joe. I had him at seven. They got him at 49. I'll get to him later because I'm so fucking excited about that one. Um, Maxey is a player that the Sixers haven't really had for a minute now. Uh, just like an aggressive scoring guard uh, who can get to the basket, finish strong at the basket with shooting upside and some decent playmaking instincts. I don't think he's a great playmaker. He's not a lead playmaker. Excuse me. Um, but 
he's someone that can play off a star, in my opinion, pretty well because he has like a balanced offensive skill set. Um, now the shot is obviously the swing skill. He didn't shoot well at Kentucky. Um, he did shoot very well from the free throw line. His form is pretty good. I mean, he can he can stand up his release a little bit. Um, you know, a little bit above his head. It's a little bit of like a like a like a worse version of Damian Lillard's form. And Damian Dame just is ridiculous. Like obviously, I'm not comparing them as shooters. I'm just saying like in the way that it's kind of in front of his face rather than um, above his head. But by all accounts, like this dude is just a, a guy who grinds, man. Um, seems to have a really good attitude. Like a, there's no character concerns. I was bad. I, like I didn't get why he fell. I didn't really understand when teams are taking guys like Isaiah Stewart, 16th, and like I think he's better than Cole Anthony. They're both they're both the same. He's younger than Cole Anthony, so it's not like an age thing. Cole Anthony can't defend as well as Tyrese Maxey. He doesn't have as good as measurements. Uh, and he didn't have as good of a season as Tyrese Maxey. So it was just weird seeing these guys go ahead of him. And same with, like, um, I think Precious Chu was fine. Uh, but, like, even, like, Sadiq Bay, Like, I'd rather have the guard that can get to the basket and score and shoot a little bit and defend. Like, he's a great defender, Tyrese Maxey. He defends super well on the ball. He's got an NBA-ready body um, with room to grow physically. I mean, he's still, like, he's not, like, huge. He's not like Desmond Bain. Uh, but he's he's very well built. He's got a very good build, six six wingspan. Um, moves very well laterally, and is a, 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 a just a, a just a good defender. Like he he has a good nose to the ball, keeps head in a swivel. Like he's a he's a good on and off the ball defender. Now it's gonna be I don't think he's gonna be like an immediate impact defender because that's really hard for a guard. But um, I think he'll he'll contribute somewhat soon. Um, Maybe maybe at the earliest, like the back half of the season. Now it's really tough. I mean, he had COVID, so he had the, or he had a positive test. I'm not sure if he had symptoms, um, but so he missed the first couple of days of camp, and you know we have a game tomorrow, and he's only been on the team for a month. You know, um, so it might be it might be hard for any rookie really to make an immediate impact. But if you look at Kentucky guys, like Booker made a pretty immediate impact by the end of his rookie season. Hero obviously SGA like Hero and SGA were making were playing playoff minutes like starting minutes basically um for and hero was fucking dropping 37 in the conference finals like obviously it's not they're different players but the kentucky guys seem pretty equipped even bam was like playing 15 minutes a game in the playoffs as a rookie um under like Spolcher doesn't just play anyone you know so i'm excited man i, I finally finally got one of these fucking kentucky players that i've wanted like all these guys I, I watched the Sixers pass on, um, and now we finally have one of our own, you know. So I'm excited, man. Really am excited about Maxi. Was very happy he fell. Um, would have like honestly, I would have liked any of those options. Like all my guys fell. Like Tyrell Terry fell, Desmond Bain fell, Malachi Flynn fell. Like I would have liked all of those guys at 21. But I think Maxi was like the best bet. Uh, was upside while still having a pretty, like, pretty high floor in my opinion um as just a guard off the bench that can score and defend and doesn't hurt you at all you know um so yeah super excited about that and i think he can play pretty well up in i mean he's a clutch guy maybe that has something to do with it but um just pumped really pumped uh and it just seems so like such a hype guy you know like exciting good like a good he kind of reminds me of like a jimmy type personality but you know we'll see i haven't seen that much of him you know um 
So moving on, uh, the next move that was made was a move I've kind of floated around for a little bit. Uh, I didn't think Dallas would do it because I thought Seth just kind of fit too well uh, with the Mavs, but they did wind up doing it. Uh, so it was Josh Richardson in the 36th pick, which became Tyler Bay, for Seth Curry uh, from the Mavericks. Great trade for both teams, honestly. Uh, I've got love for Josh. I really liked him. He was a cool dude, he seemed. Um, and, he, you know, he played hard. He didn't. It's not like he played without any effort. Um, and he did have some moments this year where he looked like a really great guy to put next to Ben and Joe, but he just wasn't consistent enough uh, shooting, and, you know, he had some injuries, and defensively he wasn't, like, as advertised, I don't think. He was still fine. He wasn't a negative at all, but um, just never really fit. He doesn't have a quick enough release and was probably tasked with too much ball handling responsibility, but in Dallas I think he'll – he can still do a little bit of the things off the dribble that they, they might need uh, with Seth gone because Seth actually did handle the ball a little bit there, but he'll get more open looks with Doncic, and they have actual other shooters. He's not required to be uh, an elite three-point shooter to make this offense work. Like They have plenty of shooting, uh, and Luka's going to find him out of pick and rolls and stuff. So yeah, that's that's good for Josh, and the 36th pick, um, it makes sense. I think Josh is a better player than Seth, but... He's not a better asset because of Seth's contract, so it makes sense that the Sixers gave up the 36 pick. Um, and Tyler Bay will be five, fine for them, I guess. Uh, we'll see. Uh, for the Sixers, though, Seth Curry is someone who I wish they had gotten in the last two years. Uh, less so going into 2019, the 2019 season just because he hasn't played. But like last year, like I kind of looked at it like this. like If you told me on June 29, 2019, when we still kind of hoped Jimmy was going to stay... Um, if you were like, hey, Jimmy and JJ are going to leave, um, and Tobias is going to stay, and you're going to have like $35 million in cap to spend, or whatever it was, and you were, and I, and you were like, and you're also not going to get any of the big names, like any of the, the Middleton, Brogdon, whatever, none of those names you're not going to get, even not, not the big names, like you're just not. So you're going to have to use your cap space to build a team. I would have been like, okay, how about we sign Danny Green and we sign Seth Curry, you know? Um, and I wish they had, I still wish they had signed Seth Curry and I wish they had formatted Horford's contract where they could have still had a mid-level and they could have gave the mid-level to Seth Curry if you want to come here, but they didn't, uh, they front loaded Horford's contract, which is whatever. So, but yeah, Seth Curry is a great fit for this team, man. Like really such a, just an absolute, now if he's an absolute knockdown shooter and if Seth Curry comes into this season shooting like 37% from three, then it's true that despite the open looks that Simmons creates for his teammates and then B to a lesser extent, that guy's just put on the jersey and suck at shooting. Because uh, even Reddick shot like a little bit below his career averages when he was here, even though he was obviously elite. Uh, but I'm, that's that's mostly just, you know, bullshit or whatever. But Seth is just, a, he's just such a great fit. Um, especially since he's developed as like a creator and someone that could ha- actually create his own shot and create, you know, pull-up shots and step-backs and... Uh, sidestep threes like and just jumpers in general uh and he's indeed and he's a decent playmaker so he's not jj uh people think probably think he's going to be jj he's a different player he's more of a like a standstill shooter uh he can do a little bit off screen like, he's not inept off screens but he like no one to jj you know um and i wouldn't even say he's really close to jj in that regard but he's still not bad that just shows how good jj is and i think he can actually have he can actually run some of those dhos with a bead but he can do more like use it to get downhill toward the basket a little bit um, because he's probably not going to beat his man just one-on-one like that. He doesn't have that kind of burst. But if he ha- if he has momentum and a screen going 
downhill, then he can get to his little floater game. He's got a pretty good floater game. He can he's a crafty enough finisher, um, and he can he can hit target. He can hit lobs. He's he's they've actually posted a few clips of Dwight uh, and Embiid where they show Seth hitting them for like a like an easy dump off lob, which is cool. That's a that's a uh, and a wrinkle to the Sixers' offense that they haven't really explored because they haven't really Embiid's not like a great lob finisher, but there's also just not really many like ball handlers on the team that can pass on those um Richardson was actually like okay at it but they didn't really run it that much so that I I love Seth I'm, I'm a huge Seth guy and his contract is fantastic three years for 24 million left I think yeah that's it um that's more valuable to us than it would be to Dallas because Dallas has you know dreams of of using their cap space on a star next summer and the Sixers kind of don't um without some major maneuvering like they're not going to be in any conversations for a big name free agent i don't think um so that's why having a guy on a cheap deal for three years is way more valuable to them so really good deal for both sides uh super excited to watch Seth. i think he's going to start i think ideally you can upgrade that position during the season uh, maybe get like a more stable like a bigger shooting guard i guess but uh if that's the starter i don't think that's the end of the world i think he's a fine fifth starter fourth or fifth starter um so yeah moving on to pick 49 i was worried they were gonna trade it or something especially once my boy fell but they picked isaiah joe man and i'm so goddamn pumped uh now i was a little not i mean i knew he was skinny but once the training camp uh once a preseason roster came out like official preseason roster came out and uh he was listed at 167 Mm, that's tough uh i kind of had dreams he could play this year decent amount of minutes by midseason because I, that's how much i trust his shooting like i think he's absolutely elite um but if he's 167 pounds it's gonna be tough he's still he'll still probably get run like i don't think he's gonna be in the g league he's not in a two-way they signed him to a guaranteed contract but um yeah we'll see but just in general the prospect is such a, it's like a ah, it's just such a good fit he's such a he's so willing to shoot and his form is legitimately like perfect. There's nothing. There's nowhere you can't improve his form on any account. Like there's no account you can improve his form. It's crazy. Um, and I'm so excited to watch him shoot. Like honestly, it just seems like like the Sixers have good shooters, but he's like a like a like a high volume. Just like I'll fucking shoot it from anywhere. I don't care. I can do it off the dribble. I can do it off the catch. Do a little bit off the movement. Like and he defend. Like he defends well. He moves very well laterally and he has good defensive instincts he's just so fucking skinny um he needs to get to like closer to 200 and he's pretty far away so this season uh, the expectation for isaiah joe not that high but he's still only like 21 like you know that's a, that's a great value pick he should have been a first round pick like it doesn't make any sense why some of these guys are going in the first round over shooting wings that makes no sense i don't care how skinny they are like you can like shooting is so important and we're just spending the 16th pick on isaiah stewart <laughs> And, and the 27th pick on Udoka Azubuki. And it's like, what are we doing? You know? It's just crazy. And I'm glad it's not my team. Uh, so I picked 58. Paul Reed on two-way. Uh, didn't do that much of a deep dive into Paul Reed before. I think he's a... You know, he was regarded as like a like an early second, late first kind of guy. Uh, so to get him at 58 is pretty cool. Super athletic. Uh, pretty good defensive metrics and defensive tape. Uh, a little bit, like, unruly as a player. Um and his jumper is just so fucking ugly. But it does go in a little bit. Like, he's not a complete non-shooter. Um, shot a decent amount during his few years at DePaul. 
I could see him as like a small ball five option eventually. You know, he's pretty thin um, for big, but that's like a four or five. Sure, why not? Two-way 58th pick, great value. Um, a lot of guys have him like really highly rated. Like John Hollinger had him like 19th, I think. Uh, and he's pretty respected. You know, he's a, he was a front office executive for a long time. So, um, yeah, um, the draft was great, really great. Uh, and they didn't really give up any, like, huge future assets to move around the board or anything. So, ah, yeah, really excited about that. So, in regards to free agency, uh, Sixers were pretty quiet. They basically, like, 20 minutes into free agency, or like an hour into free agency, they signed Dwight Howard after he had uh, said something about going to the Lakers. Um, but, excuse me, um, but, yeah, he came here, uh, to reunite with Daryl Morey, who signed him to that big deal in 2013. Sure, why not, for the minimum, Dwight Howard, like, he's a, ideally, you'd like a stretch center, uh, off the bench, but I think the most important thing about the bench center is that they can defend the rim, because once Embiid leaves the game, we can't just be hemorrhaging points at the rim like crazy um like they did in 2019 and Dwight Howard can do that and he can finish around the rim and get boards and he seems like he's matured finally uh, at age 35 uh so yeah sure why not and they got um they got Tony Bradley in the Zaire trade which fucking broke my heart but after seeing that the Pistons waived him without even seeing him play when they're a tanking team um uh, the Tony Bradley trade is is fine. Tony Bradley seems actually like a decent center, and he's twenty three, uh, and they have his bird rights. So, sure, and they can, and he has like a four million dollar contract. So I think they can they can get a little more out of that than Zaire's contract. They probably weren't going to pick up Zaire's option. Clearly, just sucks for Zaire, man. I hope he I hope he finds a place to play uh, in the NBA because I think he's talented enough. I think he has the tools. Um, he was still really athletic, you know, even after the 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 allergy incident so yeah um overall the offseason i'd give it like a like an a minus probably man they didn't make a huge huge move but the adding doc rivers and daryl morey and danny green and seth curry um and tyrese maxey those are like five pretty big pieces to add to an organization in my opinion uh maxey less so we don't know what he is yet but he could be a huge part so I was, I'm just, I'm so happy that there's like adults running this team. Like if you listen to not my last podcast, but the one before that titled pain, um, which was recorded after game three versus Boston. Like I've basically never been lower than that regarding the six years. Um, and I really didn't think any of this would happen with doc rivers or Daryl Morey. Now doc rivers had, like there are issues there. Like, you know, he's blown a lot of three, one leads and they're, issues about his adjustments in the playoffs that I'm kind of worried about, but like, I still think he's a better coach than Brett. And I think just having a different voice to guide those kind of, those guys at Ben and Joe really will be big. And I think, uh, running a pick and roll oriented offense, maybe not all pick. I don't think it should be all pick and rolls. Like they don't have a dynamite pick and roll player really. Um, but having a more pick and rolls for Tobias and a little bit more for Ben and Joel, We'll get them just more easy looks. Like that's what they've been stressing in camp is like getting easy looks because every it was tough to get buckets for this team like two years ago when they were really good, 
And then last year, it was like there may be like 10 easy baskets a game when it should be like way higher than that, you know, um, relatively easy, you know, obviously it's NBA defenses, but um, just so pumped. And like regarding this year's team, so obviously what they're missing is a shot creator. They still don't, they're kind of back to where they were like two years ago at the start of the 2018-19 season where they don't really have a guy that can create at an elite level. Um, as a scorer. Now they have Embiid, who's an elite scorer, but he's not an elite perimeter scorer. I guess that per- elite perimeter scorer is what they need. Um, they have an elite interior scorer, and they have a solid perimeter, uh, kind of an inside-out scorer, I guess, with Tobias. And Ben's pretty solid. I mean, he's a good, he's an efficient, like, 17-a-game scorer. It's just, um, you know, where he gets his points is pretty limited. But they could still use like a pick and roll ball handler, and that guy wasn't really on the market for them. Like Van Fleet would have been cool, but it would have been pretty much impossible for them uh, to negotiate that, and he'd probably want to stay anyway. Um, Hayward was too much, and he's probably not good enough. And guys like Dinwiddie and um, I think Schroeder actually could have been cool for this team. Uh, but if you don't trust a shot, then he's not a great fit. So. It's probably good that they just kind of held off and they still have options going forward. Um, but the roster as it stands right now is going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be way more shooting. It should be pretty up-tempo. They have some interesting bench pieces. Uh, and they have assets to trade now. Like They have an $8 million trade exception from the Horford trade. They have Mike Scott's contract that they can combine with any number of players to get either into like the $10 million range or like the $20 million range. Honestly, they could even get into like the $25 million range if they really want to go thin. Um, like they just have so many options and they kept all their picks and they had the Knicks second rounder this year like there's a lot and they have like most of their taxpayer mid-level to spend in the bio market which is fucking great like like, it's crazy because this team had absolutely no flexibility last season and now they have like way more and there's not they're not the most flexible team in the league they still owe that pick uh, in the future which kind of limits what they can trade a little bit um, but compared to where they were just like two months ago, man, it's crazy what Maury did. I'm just, I'm just thrilled to have him. Uh, so let's just, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, the Harden thing. Ah, my God. Today, uh, a Woj report came out that says despite, um, you know, the addition of John Wall and how they're looking in preseason, which they look very good. Now it's the Bulls. They're playing the Bulls, but still they look good. Um, James Harden still wants out and it's nothing personal. He just wants out of Houston still. Even though he's going to report, uh, I think he reported already. He has a sixth. He has a sixth po- uh, negative test today, which should clear him for like full activities. Um, like if the sentiment across Sixers like nation, I guess, is that they shouldn't trade Ben for for James Hart. Um, I don't know, man. It's like I really want to see this team, and I really like Ben. It's not like I'm anti Ben. I'm pretty pro Ben. But to me, like trading Ben for Harden is definitely not like selling low um Harden's fucking amazing like Harden's unreal and that perimeter creator I was talking about is is James Harden and you don't really lose the playmaking that Ben has uh it's a different kind of playmaking it's probably more effective playmaking if we're being honest um like you just you just kind of to act like it's a complete fucking no-brainer to not trade Ben for Harden is like pretty ridiculous to me it's James Harden with two years on his deal and he wants to be here like I know he's an idiot and I think he's a dumbass for like the the partying uh, especially right now and the way he's kind of treating the Rockets even though they 
you know, he's in, this is a stars league. They get what they want, you know? Um, but like, it's James Harden, man. He'd make us fucking amazing. And he's going to be good for like five years. Probably. Like, he's a fucking Iron Man. Sorry for swearing so much. But I don't I don't know if it'll happen. Like, the, Ben's the best asset they're going to get. Unless somebody wants to trade, like, John Morant or Trey, which is not going to happen. And it's like, I wish, I wish this had came out in, like, August, you know? Like, I think I would have been more comfortable before Maury got here. Actually, no, I wouldn't have. I would have been more comfortable when Maury got here, but before, after Maury got here, but before they made, like, these moves where I'm actually excited to watch this team with Ben and Joe. And I actually want to see, like, they really do want to see. They should see, like, it makes sense to be like, hey, let's just see what we have for once. Like, let's not, again, like, have a huge overhaul again. Because if you get James Harden, your team's, like, the way your team plays is overhauled. And they just had a training camp learning the way they're going to play now. And I don't know, man, like, there are reasons to be concerned about James Harden is kind of constant clashing with other guys, other stars. Like, it's always kind of a mess around James Harden, um, but he's also always on a good team because of him. He's an amazing player and probably the best scorer ever, maybe, outside of KD and MJ. Like, he's he's unreal. Um, and he has two years left. Stars don't become available with two years left. Excuse me. Stars just don't. Um... So I just think it's and and Derek Bodner uh, tweeted something uh, that Bobby Mark said, kind of like he he gave his thoughts on it, which I really agreed with. Like, there's so much optimism around training camp that guys are like, "Oh well, I I don't want to trade our guys. Like, we're we're great. We're gonna be great this year," which makes sense because you know, you want to be optimistic. Right? Being pessimistic sucks. But also, like, you you shouldn't let that limit the big picture of like trying to win and making the best move to win the title. You know. Um, it's a hard decision. It's not an easy decision for Daryl. I trust Daryl to make the right decision. Daryl knows Harden more than anyone else. Um, like, I... We'll see. But I think it's dumb that any fan is like, yo, no, get that guy. Like, get the fuck out of here. They said the same shit about Jimmy Butler. And the same shit about Kawhi. And it's like, look at those guys. You know? <sighs> and Paul... Honestly, like, Paul George. They could have had Paul George for, like, pretty little in 2000. 17. Now, unless they really didn't want to trade him in the East, they probably could have got him for, like, Dario and, like, the, the 2018 first, which wound up being, like, 26th. And they, they held on, and they were still good, so it's like, whatever. And they still were able to get guys, but Paul George would have been great. And then they could have flipped him if they had to, you know? If he would have stayed, and then he still wanted to leave. Like, fuck, man. But obviously, I'm just kind of rambling. But with Harden, like, you can't just rule it out, all right? And I don't, I don't think smart people are ruling it out. So, I think my take is that if they start the season really well and they're clicking, uh, that they'll they'll just not trade for Harden. Um, if it really looks legit, if it looks like kind of fluky, um, then maybe still. But now, if they look like shit and Ben's like still not shooting at all and Joel's not looking great or whatever, and there's kind of an unhappy vibe the way there was last year, then just pull the trigger and say fuck it, worry him. Uh, and I wouldn't give up more than like two firsts. And one of those picks would have to be protected. There's no reason. Ben Howard, Ben has, eh, excuse me. Ben Simmons has five years left in his contract. And he just made All-NBA. And he's under 25. And he's an elite defender. And I actually like his fit. People are like, oh, well, you don't want to play Ben with John Wall. But, like, 
I think they could play well off each other. Ben's never played with a pick-and-roll point guard like that. And John Wall isn't, like, an atrocious shooter. He's a bad—he's not a good shooter, but, like, he's a solid shooter off the catch. If Ben and Jimmy Butler can make it work, Ben and John Wall can make it work, all right? Um, like, Ben screen for Wall and finding, like, Christian Wood on the short roll and stuff, like, it'd be kind of spicy, and they, they have pretty good shooters. And they have room to get better with these picks that they've gotten uh, for Wall or for Westbrook in the Wall trade um, and in the, the Ariza trade, Christian Wood sign trade thing, Covington trade, whatever. Like, they have room to get better. Um, and they have some interesting contracts and pieces to trade. So um, we'll see, man. That's that's a mess. Um, the NBA never sleeps, so... I'm just pumped, man. I might miss the beginning of the game tomorrow, unfortunately. But um, just want to see the young guys. I hope Maxi. Pl- I think Maxi is playing, uh, which is cool. Just praying no one gets hurt. Praying nobody. Uh, obviously, no one catches COVID. I hope the season can run pretty smoothly. I think the protocols are fine. I'm just not sure if they how they're going to enforce it. They did a pretty good job with the bubble. Um, no, really good job, honestly. And they kicked out Daniel House for acting like a fucking idiot. And they suspended Lou Will for a few games. So, we'll see, man. It's going to be a weird-ass season. Um, I just want to, I just want, I'm just excited to enjoy it. I think I'm going to enjoy the Sixers. Even if I don't think they're going to be a finals contender really yet without some additional moves. Uh, and during the season, I'll talk about moves that I'd like them to make. But, um, like, they're just, they're just such a better vibe, you know? And it's a new vibe with a new coach. They should play a little bit differently than they have. I'm just, I'm really excited. Like I always am. Um, so that's where I'm going to end it here. I hope you guys uh, have a good holiday break. Um, any of my other college students, it's been a really shitty semester this semester. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to do more podcasts. I have more time now because I don't have to do stupid school stuff. So... Hopefully I'll have one after the first few games. Um, probably not after, probably not another one before the regular season starts on the 23rd for us. Um, there's no reason to unless something happens. But yeah, all right. I uh, appreciate all of you that have listened. Follow me on Twitter at AndrewQuinlan3. Tweet about the Sixers every once in a while. So appreciate it, guys. Peace.